Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's Off the Bench, but not with Tom Brenneman. Reed Mouse, one last day, Tom will be back tomorrow. It's Super Bowl Monday, which, by the way, should be a holiday in this country because apparently this country doesn't revolve around football. It does. It should be a holiday. But the Chiefs won 38-35 on a game-winning field goal. Patrick Mahomes becomes the 13th quarterback to win multiple Super Bowls. Andy Reid becomes the 14th coach to win multiple Super Bowls. The game for the second straight year was marred by controversy as a marginal, questionable P.I. call late in the game didn't let the Eagles come back on the field with enough time and potentially win the game. Now, there was a giant slate of college basketball this weekend, but we'll get into that if we have time. I hope you guys like victory laps because (laughs) I'm going to be taking a big one. I've had three takes that I've been singing the praises of for months and months, and they all were solidified last night in the Super Bowl. Casey, Paul, guys? Yes. How you doing tonight? Casey, how are you doing? Um, you know, I the Eagles just weren't ready for this game. That's all it really boiled down to. They made too many mistakes. Not to jump right into it. I mean, I that just made me uh, a little upset, just the way the game went. But I'm I'm fine regardless. Paul? I'm doing great. Yeah. I really I Look, I didn't really care who won this game. I wanted a good game, and I got a good game because I was nervous that it wouldn't be a good game and the Chiefs would win – or, uh, sorry, the Eagles would win kind of significantly. That didn't happen. It looked like for a minute around halftime it would happen. Um, I was on the Eagles, so that was a little disappointing. But as far as Chiefs and Eagles, I didn't really care who won. Um, it was just so so disappointing the way it ended. No doubt. Um, forget whether it was a hold or not. Argue that whatever you want to. It's just disappointing that there was a flag thrown and that for the second year in a row, you have to have some sort of controversy, especially after Roger Goodell comes out last week and says that the officiating in the league has never been better. And he goes on and on and on about the officiating and the state of the league and everything like that. What, look, whether it's a, again, whether it's a flag or not, you just, you hate to see it in the Super Bowl two years in a row that there's a segment of the fans that have to be discussing whether or not it was or was not a flag instead of, oh, they went down and earned the game. Yeah, it was a great – it was – what was great was it was a great game, and it sucks to see it in the way that it did. But it is funny you bring up Roger Goodell because, you know, what he said last week, I laughed out loud watching the game live, and they pan at one point in the game to Roger Goodell, Donna Kelsey – and DeMar Hamlin chumming it up over there. And it was very clearly staged that Donna Kelsey was probably just sitting there like, all right, can I leave now? Like, like, did we get our shot? Those three, why would they be sitting next to each other? Why are we doing this? That was LOL funny. But guys, I've had three takes that I've been on for months. And I hate that I've been shoehorned into these takes, but that's where we're at. And I'm going to sing the praises when they are solidified. And those three takes are Patrick Mahomes is definitely the best quarterback in the National Football League. Agreed. Second take, the way you win in the NFL, the most accurate way of deciding who the better team is, who's going to win a game, 
is who's got the better coach? Who's got the better quarterback? The better coach-quarterback combination wins in the NFL consistently, and I'll make the points to prove that. If you just look at the postseason, the better coach, better coach and quarterback combination won every game. And then finally, the AFC is and always was better than the NFC. And that's solidified. We're talking about the hard-nosed football that the NFC has been singing about all year long. Wait till these quarterbacks, wait till these, you know, dinking and diamond it all over the field. Wait till they play an NFC team like the 49ers or the Eagles. And what did the, the Chiefs do? They ran it right down the Eagles' throat. So, guys, because I feel like we've rehashed this argument so many times. Sure. I don't only think that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback currently in the National Football League. I think that he is projecting himself and is well on the way, and when it's all said and done, will be the second best quarterback to ever play this game. Oh, come on. The only way that he doesn't is be doesn't become the best is because Pat or Tom Brady has set the bar so monstrous high. He has every Tom Brady has every record. He has seven Super Bowl rings. Played until he's forty five. We're never going to see that again. But Patrick Mahomes will be the second best quarterback to ever play. I have to ask you guys a question. What did you think about Travis Kelsey's comments on they counted us out? What did you guys think about that? It was very similar to the Georgia player that said that they were going to go 7-5. and five. Very, very similar. I forget who that was, but when we were talking about being a great motivator and, and Kirby Smart and incepting these guys, who thought that the Chiefs – who? I want to find one person. And it was funny. Dan Horde tweeted about it after the game. He goes, I picked the Chiefs, and I think a lot of other people picked the Chiefs. And uh, – I mean, they were what the third favorite, the yep. third, the third shortest preseason favorite yep. behind the Bills and the Bucks. I, the Bucks. I think a lot of people picked the Chiefs. This is not like the pl this is not the Jaguars winning. This is not the plucky. You're underdog. right. No, you're right. It, they're not the underdog, so they can't label themselves as the underdog. But I think that there is some truth to what Travis Kelsey has said about people counting them out. Look at me. I'm. A diehard Cincinnati Bengals fan, and I've had to defend the Chiefs for three months now. If that shows you what people thought about them. I've had to defend them consistently, saying that they're the best team in the postseason, saying that they have the best quarterback, they have probably the best coach. I've had to do all of that in the past three months. So for people to just shoo away that Travis Kelsey made up some narrative about how people counted them out, listen, they did have the third shortest odds to win the Super Bowl preseason. But you want to look at teams in their division, their over-under win-loss, guess what they were? The Raiders 10.5, the Chargers 10.5, the Broncos 10.5, the Chiefs were all had the exact same over-under before the season, truly showing that no one knew what the hell was going to happen. And the Chiefs come out and they win the Super Bowl. I, I am glad you brought that up because I do think that there is, that I, I can see what he was trying to get at, but he didn't verbalize it the right way because there was definitely a segment of the world that thought, including I think a lot of us here in the office, that thought the Eagles were going to win this fairly significantly. That thought right. that this was going to be an Eagles win by potentially 7 to 14 points and that they matched up better in pretty much every position in every positional group and that the Eagles, that, that this was the Eagles Super Bowl to lose as a point and a half favorites, as pretty much an advantage everywhere besides the quarterback. 
so I see where Travis was trying to go, but the way he went into the WWE shtick with it <laughs> and went down Cut that the promo. Whole, yeah, and the way he went down that whole deal of nobody. Look, pretty much a lot of people picked the Eagles, but to say that nobody had the Chiefs or that the Chiefs were counted out as a team that is right. uh, home to the, the No one last, thought they were going to go 7-10. and 10. The last five home games in the AFC Championship? I mean, come on, brother. What are we doing? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Listen, this is why when we look back at this game, this is where the blossoming of Patrick Mahomes' legacy is really going to start. And you can look at his stats last night and say, whoa, 182 yards. That's not all that crazy. And you're right. I mean, 182 yards is not that much. But let me tell you how he played better than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts played fantastic. There's no doubt about that. But Patrick Mahomes played better. So let's go into the stats. Pat's QBR, 96. Jalen Hurts, 79. Patrick Mahomes' passer rating, 131. Jalen Hurts, 103. Patrick Mahomes completed 77% of his passes while Hurts completed 71. And yeah, Jalen Hurts threw for 300 yards. Patrick Mahomes threw for 182. But you got to remember, the Chiefs played 20 less snaps than the Eagles. That was a part of their game plan, shortening the game, because they knew that they had a dominant advantage at running the ball. And they showed it, and they ran that to perfection. And let me tell you why I think this game is going to go down as the blossoming of Patrick Mahomes' legacy. Teams going into the second half in the Super Bowl history, trailing by 10 points, were 1-26. in the only team that did that were Tom Brady's Patriots when they beat the Falcons 28-3. We all know that story. Also, you want to know how many Super Bowls Tom Brady won in which his team, his defense, gave up 35 points like the Chiefs did last night? Zero. You want to know how many Super Bowls Joe Montana won in which his defense gave up 35 points in the Super Bowl? Zero. Peyton Manning, zero. In fact... Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are the first team to win the Super Bowl in which they gave up 35 points. This is a legacy game for one of the game's greatest. And I'm sorry that I have to sit here and tell you how great Patrick Mahomes is. But at this point, if you don't hop on board, then you're just being a hater. You're not recognizing something that is truly miraculous. If you love this sport of football, then you should take in what he's doing and respect it. Listen, our Bengals, they own the Chiefs. 3-1 against them. We've got nothing to prove over them. So I don't understand why we're hating on the dog. I don't understand it. Casey. Let's hear it, Casey. Come on. You, Let it we, out. We sat here before the show for a half hour. You talked, you talked, you talked. Now you got the microphone on. Let's Let's hear it. Yeah, this was not the game that solidified Patrick Mahomes at all. In fact, this is more of a kudos to the coaching staff and to the team in general. This was a way better roster than people were giving him credit for. Let's not let's not try to sugarcoat this as Patrick Mahomes. You're right. Game. The AFC was always better than the NFC. Right. I agree with you on that. I yeah. agree with you on that. Yeah. I I uh, I will flip my position on that starting now but let's not act like this was not the number one rushing attack the pass rushing attack in the league that 
had zero sacks. Zero. Zero. They ran the ball. They hardly threw it. Then let's just talk about the mistakes the Eagles had that just pretty much gave the game away. Jalen Hurts' fumble. Correct. The terrible punt. All setting up for easy points. The red zone defense. Horrendous. I've never seen it happen twice where they call the same play. They motion inside. They bounce it back out. And they don't pass it off. They don't pass the guy off. It was just a one a spectacular play call mm-hmm. that Patrick Mahomes had to do nothing the only thing he did that game that was significant there's only two plays I can think of that were significant that he had any part of that was him running for 25 yards on some bum ankle Casey okay then he throws a really really good pass to Travis Kelsey for that first touchdown That's the only thing he did all game that had any significance to the game whatsoever. Other than that, it was their line that got a lot of push. They were able to run the ball effectively. And they were able to call play calls that allowed Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore to get around the outside. And I don't know what else that that there's really to say except that the Eagles fumbled the bag. They had 35 points. Are you kidding me? And then 14 of 14 of Kansas City's points came from a terrible fumble. I don't even know what what's going on there. Jalen Hurts pretty much gave them a touchdown. Right. And they got another one from the five yard line based off of a special teams error. This game, that's a 14 point swing, and that's significant enough for the Eagles to have won the game if they don't let that happen. And then I'm not even going to really go into the the holding call because they're going to kick a field goal regardless. Right. right? It just would have given it, the Eagles. It would have given them maybe another possession. Right. Whatever. And I hate that for them. I hate that that happened. But that's like the least of my concerns at this point. What I'm more focused on, and I think everyone needs to kind of wake up and realize this, Mahomes had to hardly do anything this game the Eagles had more the Eagles couldn't stop the pressure from getting to Hurts their defense the Chiefs gave up 35 points the Chiefs defense was able to get enough pressure to stop Jalen Hurts enough to at least get them to punt one time and that's also a big difference in this game because whether I like to admit this or not the offense for the Chiefs scored every possession in the second half. They did. They did. And the Eagles just weren't able to stop them. And that that's just because they weren't ready. And they weren't – some of the breaks just didn't go their way. A lot of their early success in the first half didn't translate to the second half. And the fumble early and that punt have a lot to do with it. And – it's just two plays. That's all that was really the difference of this game, in my opinion. But to sit here and act like Mahomes dominated or that he solidified his status, I, I think that that undermines the true reason why they won this football game. And that's because the Chiefs are a really damn good team. Damn right there. And they got, I would say, kind of lucky. They got kind of lucky on the fumble. They got kind of lucky that the guy punting the ball – 
It wouldn't be a Casey Mahomes take without bringing up luck. That's all I'm saying. Some people create their own luck and maybe the punt, but the fumble for sure. That's just right. Who fumbles the ball like that? Yeah. And and not to mention, and this goes for both sides of the on, of the teams, both teams. Why is the NFL trying something new with the fields? Why why why, why are we doing like this new turf, like for the biggest game of the year? They were slipping and sliding all over I... the place. And I'm not trying to make a case for the Eagles that being a yeah, both teams played on the same surface. Yeah, so that's I mean, not a, that's it's not just... Excuse. You're right. I no, you're was... right about that. You're right that they shouldn't be doing that. But first off, at one point, you, you tried to say that the, the, the Chiefs' defense won them that game. The Chiefs made a fantastic play on the scoop and score. But still, they gave up 35 points. It's the first time that a team has won the Super Bowl while giving up 35 points. So let's not say that the defense won them this game when, in fact, we know that it was the Chiefs' game plan. And yeah, they got the, the pick six or the, the scoop and score and they got the, the big punt return. But still, they scored on every drive in the second half through only one incomplete pass. They were merely perfect against the team that we heard so much about how great the Eagles defense was. They ran it down their throat and Patrick Mahomes made the big plays when he needed to. And to your point about how the Eagles never got one single sack, there was at least three to four times where Patrick Mahomes completely evaded his sack. And how could you watch... How could you watch that Patrick Mahomes run and think that he was faking an ankle injury? He was wobbling that entire run. Oh, come on. He did not he out, he, it he didn't was look, outrunning look guys like, who are fully healthy. He's outrunning guys that are <laughs> supposedly supposedly faster than him. Like, come on. He he was not as hurt as badly as he made it out to seem. No doubt. The dude who had his head on a guy's shoulder. It looked like he was crying almost. He was in so much pain. Don't give me that crap. He was fine. He had probably a bruise, a very painful bruise of that. And he's over there just you know what? I'm gonna take that back. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about his injury because it's just stupid and it's it's not smart it's not of me existing. to speculate. It's not nice of me to speculate at all as someone's injury. But it just seemed very like it didn't matter at all because he did run for 25, 30 yards to put him in really great field position. So that's all I got to say about that. I uh, It was funny because I, I was texting uh, my girlfriend right around the end of the game. There was like five minutes left. I, wasn't, I was just watching on my own. Um, mm -hmm. I, and uh, so she was texting me, asking me about the game. I, I, I'm guessing she wasn't watching it. She texted me and asked me about it, and I said, "Ah, you know, this feels like one of the better Super Bowls." It was a great it, game. It, it, at least to me, like you can look back. I guess if you were a neutral fan, last year's was okay, but it didn't have the scoring that this one did. Right. The twenty-eight to three one built up in the end, but this one, start to finish, was great. There yeah. was some drama around halftime with whether Mahomes was going to come out for the second half, and the Eagles had pulled away a little bit, but pretty much start to finish when the Eagles scored, and then the Chiefs punched right right back. You got the feeling that this was going to be a back-and-forth, fun, lot of points, great game. And so I'm sitting there, and I, and I texted her back, and I said, this honestly feels, to me, just personal opinion. You could disagree if you want, but just to me, personal opinion, felt like one of the better Super Bowls I'd ever watched. I agree. And, and especially just that it was neutral, and I couldn't care less who won. And then as soon as I sent that text, within 30 seconds, they throw the holding – they throw, oh, the, no. they throw the flag, and everything goes downhill. And then she texted me back about 10 minutes later and asked who won. 
or something like that. And I was like, well, let's just say the ending was it was not as good as it was when I texted you ten minutes ago. You know what? The, Disappointing. You know, you know what this game felt like? Because that is a great point about how it kind of marred what was a great game. Do I have any American Horror Story fans here? I, you guys probably don't watch American Horror Story, but for people viewing... I know the show, I don't watch Yeah, it. if you're an American Horror Story, early on in their seasons, they would have this great... It'd be a 10-episode season or however long it was, and they'd have this great story going through. Every season was fantastic for about nine episodes, and then they just fumbled the bag on the final, final episode. That's what this game felt like, is it was fantastic for three and three quarters of quarters and then you just see the final play and you're just like oh god really we're gonna do this two straight years and you hate that it ended like that because you're right it was such a fantastic yeah. game and what it had better than last year was quite honestly it wasn't the rams and Bengals playing i mean as much as we yeah. love the Bengals and the rams don't have a big fan base in la i mean we're talking the eagles and the chiefs two of the greater fan bases in the entire NFL going at it and for two teams that seemed like they were the best team in the league all season long I mean they both went pretty much wire to wire as the number one seed yeah in their respective conference and they go down and it goes down to the wire absolutely fantastic game can we talk about something though real quick let's do it let's talk what do we got here we got a super chat Sir Boy Wonder. is heated. I just want to know when you became a doctor. They're asking when you became a doctor, Casey. Oh, that's why I try to take it back. That's not smart of me. So, <laughs> I don't know what he had. I'm just saying that the injury didn't look as significant to his game as people are making it out to be. Because he clearly was able to run. And he was clearly able to play without... I mean, you said it yourself. He, he he looked great out there, right? He did look great. Yeah, so he looks I don't, great. I don't Legacy see why the, 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 the ankle had anything to do with it. Legacy game. So, for the crowd that wants to say that the NFL is rigged. Rigged. That it's rigged. They're rigging it for the Chiefs. Let me ask you a question. If they're going to rig the game, what would be easier? Calling that P.I. late in the game? Or just letting that, you remember that scoop and score, the second scoop and score that they overturned? Why wouldn't they just let that go? Why wouldn't they just be like, yeah, it's a touchdown? If they wanted to rig it and make it easy for the Chiefs. So that's out the, that's out the window. But I have to ask a question about that play. Why does where you catch the ball on the field matter whether or not it's a catch? So let me, let me illustrate this for you. If you're on the sideline and you catch it and then you fall out of play, both feet are in, it's a catch. You got two feet in. That's all you had to establish for you to have possession, two feet in catch. If you catch it out in open space, you've got to have two feet in play, possession of the ball. Oh, yeah. And you got to make a football move. You got to do another step. Why do the rules matter where you catch the ball in the end zone? Why is falling out of the back of the end zone different than falling out the side of the end zone? We saw that with the Bengals this year. Pure and simply, why does where you catch the ball on the field matter whether or not it's a catch i just don't understand it guys do you are you comprehending what i'm, what I'm trying no, to ask here I, I get you i understand where you're coming from i mean i i asked myself the same thing because i out of all the years of watching football i never heard of the t higgins thing i thought i was clearly a touchdown. Right, falling out the back falling out of the back of the end zone is different than falling to the side um it would change that that super bowl significantly though if the rules were were changed to where if you have two feet and you catch the ball, that's a catch because there was a, a touch like a fumble or yeah, what it was, would have been a fumble. Would have been a fumble and a score for the Chiefs and he caught the ball. 
two feet were playing on the ground. He just didn't make a football move before he lost the ball. Yeah. And, I mean, you could argue that that's a really great play. You shouldn't make that throw, and the guy's right there. I mean, I I would like there to be defined all, all across the board. I'd like it to be, like, set in stone. This is what a catch is. Two feet, and that's it. Two feet and a catch. There's no football move. Right. Because then your, your defense is making a very snappy, quick play to change the game if they do catch it and you pop it out. I don't know. That's a very good point. Very good point. But what about Nick Sirianni in the game also? Like bringing the guys down that you remember? Uh, yeah, the, the and then Jalen Hurts kind of tapped him on the shoulder and was like, hey, let's let's calm down here. Very, I, very bizarre that your quarterback. Well, no. Okay, hold on. Not bizarre that your quarterback is a mature guy, but your coach is supposed to be the most mature person on the field. And it was Hurts that was tapping him on the shoulder and saying, hey, Let's uh let's calm it let's down. Let's calm it down here a minute. And then he wasn't even right. It's one right. thing. All right, at least if he was right, it's kind of funny. But he wasn't even right. The call wasn't it didn't go the way I, I forget how the whole thing played out. It was Goddard, right? It was Goddard on the sideline. Yeah, and he was signaling that they should come back. So it was like a forty yard gain and it would have got them down to the ten yard line and they're looking up. And I, I became a hater a little bit of Nick Sirianni. First, the crying, like, profusely before the game. That was kind of weird. But the broadcast did call that. Did you hear on the on the broadcast? They were like, no. yeah, they said, Kevin Burkhart said something to the effect of, I wouldn't be shocked to see Nick Sirianni crying profusely at this. And then they flipped the camera to him, and he was just He's, bawling his eyes out. He was out. crying, like, yeah. a lot. Which, like, you can cry. Men can yeah. cry. Not, not on that page, but, like, yeah. it, was, it was just a little weird. It was funny, though. You see Nick Sirianni cry, and you're like, what is going on? And then they flash it to Jason Kelsey, who's also, like, tearing up a little bit. And I'm like, hell yeah, Jason. You you shed a tear. You've earned that tear. But for Nick Sirianni, it felt a little weird. But, yeah. So the play was they get the play downfield, and they, they flash it to Nick Sirianni. He gives, like, Jalen Hurts a smirk and bring it on downfield, like, acting like, almost like a child. And they bring him on down, and then Jalen Hurts, like, looks at Sirianni, taps him on the shoulder, like, I don't think we have that. And then they send them all the way back. So if you remember, the broadcasters were like, they're moving up and downfield. They're playing the Cupid Shuffle. It was a weird play. It was an absolutely weird play. But now we're talking about Nick Sirianni. And that goes into the other take that I had, is that if you have the better coach and you have the better quarterback, the combination of the two, you will win in the NFL more often than not. It happened last night. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are a better quarterback-coach combination than Nick Sirianni. And Jalen Hurts. And even better, it happened the entire postseason. You can go down and look at every postseason game. And the better coach-quarterback combination won every single game. Let's look at it. First round, and this is where I might lose some of you. Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, that's a better quarterback-coach combination than Justin Herbert and Stanley. Because he's terrible. Their coach is terrible. Secondly... Burrow and Taylor, it's a better combination than Harbaugh and Huntley. Simple as can be. Who else we got? Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, better than Skylar Thompson and Mike McDaniels. Undoubtedly. Let's flip it over to the NFC. Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy were better this year than Tom Brady and Tom Bowles. Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan were better than Geno Smith, Pete Carroll. And this is one that you maybe could argue with in the first round. This is the only one in the entire postseason where you can maybe argue that. 
the losing coach quarterback combination was better. And that is Kirk Cousins and O'Connell might have been better than Danny Dimes and Brian Dable. But then again, Brian Dable won coach of the year and Danny Dimes got significantly better. Let's look at the conference champ or the divisional round. Mahomes, Andy Reid, better than Peterson and Lawrence. Taylor, Burrow, better than Allen and McDermott. Over the NFC, Jalen Hurts and Sirianni, better than Dayball and Danny Dimes. The other game, Purdy and Shanahan, better than Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. And then the same thing happened in the conference championships and the Super Bowl. The Eagles bet were better. The Chiefs were better. So it's not very hard to understand. So I'm tired of having to iterate this conversation. It's plain as day. You can see it every single game. The better coach, the better quarterback, they win the games. The other 21 guys on the field, they matter. Don't get me wrong. They matter. But not nearly as much as the quarterback and coach. Dare I say, what was the percentage that we gave quarterbacks? What percentage do you think quarterbacks add to a win? 30, 40%. How much oh, do you think easy. they matter? That's to like 35. 35. What about the coach if you add them in? Because it's well over half. For a coach? Coach and quarterback combination. It's I, well over half. I was going to say like 15, 20, which would put them at 50, 55. I would say that it's about 60. If, let me put it this way. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes could win with nobody out there. They could take a bunch of college kids, run them out on the field, and I still think they could win five games. Truly believe that. And maybe I just know nothing about football because, then again, we looked at the game, went into the game last night. If you would have told me that the Chiefs were just going to run it down the Eagles' throat, I would have been like, what? Would not have believed that for a second. But here we are. Making the points, and man, this victory lap feels great. It feels great, guys. I'm not going to lie. All right, what else happened? Halftime show. Come on, we got to do two minutes on the halftime show. I can give you, I can give you a lot. I... Rihanna? Rihanna. Loved it. Loved it. What'd you guys Loved think? Loved it. What'd you guys think? It was great. Casey? Um, I mean, I... I oh, Casey's out on it. I, that oh, was no. a hesitation. Oh, no. Enjoyed, oh, no. I enjoyed the performance, but I... There's got to be something, something said about actually, like, a lot of it was lip synced. A lot of it, she didn't sing, sing. I I enjoy like an an actual like the whole thing being sung. I enjoy that, but that's just me. That's my take. But I haven't been to very many concerts, so I wouldn't know if I was there in person. Maybe I would feel differently. Okay, but just like watching it from the outside, I just I I, I enjoyed the performance a lot. I thought Rihanna was great. But I just I enjoy a, a more live performance. Like Who kept I, maybe maybe like I would enjoy a band more than I would. Oh man! But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is my weird take. I love rock music, but the weird thing that they did after the Justin Timberlake debacle, where they just played six straight like '60s bands, and I I love rock music, love all those bands, but like, man, it's it's for the masses. Pop music, for good or for bad. It's fun. Yeah. And Rihanna was fun last night. Her songs oh. are fun. Did you like it, Paul? Yeah. I mean, miss me with the, like, ACDC or, or Rolling Stones. I guess uh. I just... Oh, is that what you... No, I, I'm just... I, I'm in the minority in that regard, I guess. But I still enjoyed 
listening to her music. Well, if we want to get Imagine Dragons out on the stage, then, uh, then we can have a conversation. Yeah. Paul, but we've got to we got to do better at your no, music no, no, we've no. got to no, do better. No, no, no. It, but re, no, I, I thought I'll plead ignorance. I I didn't really even pick up on the lip syncing thing. Like, oh yeah, well they so I kind of thought about it in a second, but then I just decided to sit there and ignore it. So I didn't really it didn't really affect my viewership of it. So if you don't know this, I mean, they never sing their own songs, pop pop singers. They never do. Like any of the the recent years. Yeah. They very rarely sing their own songs cuz there's also like so many vocals that go into it. Right. I mean like last night um one of Rihanna's songs, her voice is in the background along with in the forefront. So she can't do both. So there's going to have to be her voice in the background. Right. While she's singing, so I don't I don't care about lip syncing. It's more about a performance. I yeah. just like I like the music. I'll it was funny at the party I was at. All the women at the party, they did not watch the first half. They saw it was about two minutes ago. They they meandered on over to the TV. They watched the halftime show. Halftime show went over. They're like, all right, and they left the couch. And it was just the guys sitting watching the game. Did not watch a second of the game. What did they say about the last minute that took like ten minutes? Because the last minute of the first half oh, yeah. took forever with the replays and everything. And I saw a bunch uh, of people on Twitter that were just watching for the halftime show that were complaining about the last minute of the – I didn't know if maybe your your party was no, yeah, anxious they, or frustrated. Ma Mariana was very much like, come on, let's get to the halftime show. Like, can we get this thing started? And they didn't realize it takes like five minutes for them to even set up the performance at least. Yeah. Like they're, they're rushing out. They, were, a, they a, did a, two – they did two blocks of the halftime show before they got to the Rihanna halftime show. Also right. saw somebody tweet out after they go halftime show 9.4. Also Rihanna was great. And it's somebody that just loves watching like the halftime analysis. Yeah. I was like, I, yeah, the, that, that poor panel, the poor halftime panel. I mean, they try, but there's just nothing. Yeah. I thought, uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was a really good halftime show. And she was pregnant too. She was, it was funny. You brought this up that, she was pregnant, and we all, like, tiptoed. I, I assume every Super Bowl party had the same experience. You see the belly, and you're initially, like, you're trained, right? You're like, uh, I shouldn't be bringing this up. Like, but, like, she's pregnant, right? She's not moving around. She's not dancing. She's covering it all up. And then, then you see the belly, and you're just like, she's pregnant, right? And then you start, like, asking, like, is she pregnant? And then Google machines, like, she just had a kid in May. How is she pregnant again? And then it turned out she was, in fact, pregnant and Best kept was she better at keeping that secret or the coaches at their game plan keeping the secret of their game plan? I mean, I didn't see a single person say anything about her being pregnant. And when you looked it up, she just had a kid. So I last spring. Full disclosure, I did not know that she had a kid last yeah. spring. So when I looked up, is Rihanna pregnant? It was all these results from last spring, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, it's been how many months? Like she's not gonna still be showing from that. So like, what are we doing here? Nope. She just, she just, uh, she just has, she's just having another kid. Good for, for her. First billionaire to perform at the halftime show. She's a billionaire. She's a billionaire. She's got, she's got the B, the big she B. She got the B. She has that lingerie line. Savage Fenty. Mm. Man. Good, uh, who's, who, do, who is a, an outstanding, and I don't mean outstanding like great. I mean, who is somebody that we have not seen perform at the halftime show? Who's your pick next year? Drake has, we haven't seen Drake. Drake hasn't. I kind of just assumed He's, he had. Is he not? Yeah, Drake Drake would be absolutely not, someone that you would think would be not a even player. a guest performer. I think he might have guest performed, but 
Drake is absolutely gonna gonna come up at some point. Have we seen seen T Swizzle? Oh, I th she was the first name. Well, but she's coming off that world tour, so she probably. Because the rumor was that she was gonna do it this year, and then she ended up going on tour instead, and that was the big announcement. So I'm gonna, yeah, I would say Drake. I I was just assuming we had seen Drake. I hadn't even thought about that. Drake and T Swizzle were, I mean, they're the two most popular artist of our lifetime so of course they'd be sean they'd be dixon sure. wants kenny chesney kenny let's chesney. get him up there man let's get a country art. chris stapleton did a great national anthem let's get let's get uh let's get a country artist so for the there. for those who don't know sean dixon he sits on the other side of the wall he works here at chatterbox anytime he's just a diehard country music fan and when i told him that rihanna was playing he goes ah her i was like is there he just loves country music, and anything other than that is is terrible to him, which is fair. I mean, everyone has their music taste, but it was just funny. I was like, what what, what do you expect? You think they're going to throw Kenny Chesney up there? I mean, they're, you talk about just losing 70% of a crowd immediately. You throw you throw Kenny Chesney up there. I So I've seen two I've seen two great suggestions. Garth, Garth Brooks would be awesome. Like him or not, he would do I, an awesome show. I don't awesome think he'll show. ever do. They wouldn't. And... No. Uh, it's uh, got to be pop music or like very no. popular rock music. Yeah, or Nickelback. Or rap, or rap. Or Nickelback. Nickelback would do a great show. Nobody wants to admit it, but they would. They would. Nickelback's terrible. Oh, Reed. No, you're in the group thing. It's okay. No, I'm not in the group thing. I genuinely do not like Nickelback. Oh, that's just... Although Animals kind of slaps. Yeah. Well, it's like the thing where it's like you listen to one, you're like, well, that's okay. And then you listen to another one. Well, you know, Rockstar, that's pretty good. You know, throw that on in the summer. This afternoon, oh, that was pretty good too. All of a sudden, you just named a whole a whole album. Casey, who do you want? Then we'll get off of the halftime show. I'd have to take some time to think about it, but I, I all I know is that it'd probably be a band. Casey, I don't even know your music taste. Who is your favorite like musician? Um, well, that changes all the time. Like I don't, I don't like stand for any anything or anyone. Like I'll get into a mood of listening to rock or. Or pop or, or whatever so like right now i think honestly right now it's probably some sort of like pop artist i don't that's, know that's that, jonas brothers that, oh my no. god i would die oh you know kendrick, what? kendrick lamar you know what? would be another good another good person the, to go up there the best person to go up on stage for halftime harry styles you know, he would probably do a good that's, one. Yeah, that's a fun. good one, Casey. He would probably do a good one. Ariana Grande would probably be on the short list for, for people to get up there at some point. Reed, there's one name you haven't mentioned. Who? I can't believe you actually haven't mentioned this name. Oh, man. I, yeah, I think I know my My favorite of. music artist? <laughs> yeah. He ain't, ain't going to get No, over. no. Whoa. Well... Not that one. Not oh, that one. Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. Yeah. 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 A Dua Lipa show would be electric. I'd be, I'd be locked in. There we in. go. Be locked in. Lady Gaga's mother, mother love. But I, I love But her. she's already done it. I know. She was, oh, okay. she was great. All right, yeah. <laughs> Every <Again. Henry's>, Dua Lipa. <laughs> Everybody's yelling Dua Lipa in there. I love it. Love to, love to see it. She Absolutely. shut down the show. My friends text me. So Rihanna has a couple. The other person I love is I love listening to Kanye West. He makes great music questionable decisions as a, as a person and my friends were texting me and they're going is Kanye coming out when he sing when she starts singing all of the lights or run this town which he's featured in both and I looked at my friends I text them and I said there's a better chance of Vladimir Putin going up on that stage than Kanye West for the Super Bowl I mean you talk about alienating so many people by throwing Kanye up on that list 
come on, get out of here. But we still love. Foo Fighters would Foo be good. Foo Fighters, they do Foo a Fighters good job. Foo Fighters would be good. That is a good one. Yeah. All right. Let's take a short break. When we get back, we'll talk maybe a little more NFL, and then we'll go into college basketball because it was another great, great weekend. All right. Great, great Sounds good. Let's go. Yep. All right. Uh, oh, a break. Okay, we're running a break. Never mind. At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time, and if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, Ask about Bartell's 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at BartellsHeatingAndCooling.com. Bartell's Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun. when you're in pain. Turn where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore. Hello and welcome back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. And we're going to get into talking about how the Bengals, because as we mentioned, they are one game away from making the Super Bowl and they are absolutely Super Bowl contenders for the entirety of Joe Burrow's career here in Cincinnati. So guys, the Bengals matched up well with the Chiefs. Chiefs obviously won the Super Bowl. Do you think they would have had any shot against those Eagles? Truthfully. Uh... You know, I almost do because of the field. And if you look back at the Bears or the uh, Bills game, we talked so much about the Bills and, and was you know the were the Bengals going to be able to block yeah, the Bills yeah. effectively? And then the snow came out and then didn't really do anything. They they had a great game against the Bills because they didn't have to worry about the pass rush. Well, look at last night; nobody could get a hold on the field. Eagles pass rush was non-existent. negated, non-existent, and how much of that was because of the Chiefs offensive line, how much of it was because of the field, I don't know. But if the Bengals had their healthy offensive line, which maybe they would have had Alex Kappa back by the time the Super Bowl right. rolled around, if they had been able to get to the Super Bowl and play on that field, I I do think there and no Bengals fan wants to hear this. I think the Bengals win that game. Or at least, at, at least it's not a blowout. Like we thought the Eagles were going to blow out. Right, the we thought we'd be like, yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we. I yeah. think I, I think the consensus was the did. Eagles were going to yeah gonna whoop up the Chiefs. And I, I think they, I, you know, I think the Bengals would have at least had a shot, a good shot. 
I yeah, it just so here's the thing is that if you're going to take my side on this argument, the game was won because of the coaching staff. They did not throw the ball a whole lot, and when they did, it was effective. But when they ran the ball, it was very effective too. Um, they they were a the Chiefs were a different team out there, and that's just easy to tell. I mean, they they only had 27 attempts passing, and they yeah, were more I balanced think, than they've ever been. I think all yeah, they season. threw exactly. I think they played 52 plays, so yeah, it was. So like, it was Pretty even. Yeah, pretty much split, balanced. And I don't know if the Bengals – that's just not – I mean, it. we love when they are balanced and they play well when they are balanced, but I don't know if they would have committed to it or not because it really does just depend on how well they're running the ball. And I don't know. It, it, would, have, it would have been really fun to see. I think they definitely would have had a chance. I don't think there would have um, been a blowout. But – it would have been – I think our defense would have been better suited to stopping the Eagles than the Chiefs are. We would not have given up 35 points. That yeah. is 100% fact. We would not have given up 35 points to the Eagles. And I think what you're tiptoeing around, Casey, is the way that the Chiefs won this game, the game style that they'd taken, the Bengals could have fit that mold very easily. They could have done similar things. The way that the Chiefs played against the Eagles gave me more confidence than ever that if the Bengals were in that game against the Eagles, they would have won. I'm with I'm with Paul. I think I think that the Bengals are the second best team in the NFL. And last night cemented that for me. Because the one thing that scared me to death about the Eagles was just how dominant they were up front. And I didn't see that at all. Now, granted, Chiefs offensive line is much better than the Bengals. Much better, especially when with the Bengals, the Bengals having the depleted offensive line that they had. But, man, it felt like the Bengals could have taken that exact same game plan and won that game. Yeah. They wouldn't have given up 35 points. No. No, I don't think they would have given up 35 points. I don't think they would have scored 38, but I don't think it would have taken that much to score I mean, I think they could have gotten at least 28. I think they could have held the, the Eagles to 27. So while we're talking about Bengals and, you know, scoring 28 points, I'm a diehard Bengals fan, and I love Joe Burrow with all my might. But I'm still waiting for him to have that come-out game as the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. He's yet to do that in the, in the playoffs. The most points they scored was 27. The best game he had was that Bills game, and he looked great. But I've yet to see him just stand. Everyone stands on his shoulders late in the game, right? There's been a couple times, you know, in the Super Bowl, in the AFC Championship this year, they had the ball with a chance to win, and he didn't go down into it. Joe Burrow's a winner. Joe Burrow is going to bring this city a Super Bowl championship someday. But we're waiting on that game to happen. We're waiting on him with all these weapons. And maybe it takes an offensive line. A better offensive line. But we're waiting on all these weapons to explode for one game. We always talk about the Bengals before a game like, oh, if this gets high scoring, I think it's going to be a good game. The Bengals don't win high scoring games very often. And that's mostly because their defense is pretty good. And Joe Burrow manages the game and, and keeps it to where they just need to win. But how often do the Bengals win a 25-plus point game? Never. What they what was the first time they played the Chiefs in the regular season? 34-31? Yeah, I 
something like yeah. that. That was the only high-scoring, very important game the Bengals have played, right? Casey, you're... Um, I, for a high-scoring game, um, that was important. I would, That's probably the top of the list. They, um, they played the Chiefs a couple times, 27-24. But other yeah. than that, I mean, we're looking... The Super Bowl last year was 24-20. The AFC Championship game was 27-24. What they beat the, the Titans? 2017? Yes. So all these low-scoring games... is Am I off-base, I guess, is what I'm asking, for... Wanting more out of Joe Burrow in the bigger moments. Am I off base for that? I mean, the, the difference between Mahomes and Burrow, I really do feel like, is that they have a great – one, a great coach that is proven to be a great play designer. And then the second thing is they have the best offensive line in the National Football League. So that – that coupled with Mahomes, or if you were to replace Burrow in that situation, I think Burrow would would have those moments. I think he would be able to to prove that. I just it's really tough to to evaluate that potential when Joe Burrow's been so in, under so much duress his whole career. It, it really is tough. See, I really thought this game was going to expose. Mahomes to that fact, but mm. the Eagles' pass rush was non-existent that game. I mean, it, it was just a non-factor. I don't really feel like he escaped Mahomes. out of what three sacks, three or four sacks. Mahomes, yeah, I don't know. He about scrambled. That, he but... scrambled around three or four different times. And I don't think he made a play, but on just one of those plays, every every time he just threw it away. But he he scrambled out of at least three sacks. Somebody made the comment in the chat it might have been everett it was a long time ago now probably about like half hour ago so it's pushed back up a while um but did the chiefs is there something to just having a great offensive line and then one target is there something to just is that that's he asked is that the blueprint that was the that's the chat is the blueprint just a great offensive line and one target so it felt like for a while that the Bengals were creating this new mold for teams to follow, and teams have followed suit, which is you got the quarterback. Now you just put as many weapons around him, and they'll figure it out on the back end, and that's what the Bengals did. They have three great wide receivers. They have a good tight end, but they constantly struggle at the offensive line position. The Chiefs are the exact opposite. They decided they're going to keep their just Travis Kelsey, and they're going to just invest in their offensive line, draft well, get some guys to, to fill in the slots, and then figure it out with the wide receivers. And that's a great question. Casey, what do you think that that is? Let me, let me phrase this question then. Would you trade T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd for two tackles? Um, so, you know, actually, it depends on the level of, of play of those tackles. Is, are we talking like, are we talking Orlando Brown? Because I might consider it. Um, I wouldn't even argue that that mold was the Chiefs' mold. In fact, that's actually the Patriots' mold. Right. That's that's Rob Gronkowski, and you get a Wes Welker, or you get a, a Julian Edelman, just some guy. Literally, guys, just Julian Edelman was a quarterback before even making it into the NFL. I mean, we're talking about one great target. And it, that the Packers try to mold that way. 
with Devontae and Aaron Rodgers, and they were very successful. They were only one game away from making it to the Super Bowl. So for me, it's it is kind of that that is kind of the mold, but that mold the the mold why it works is because they have a great offensive coordinator that can get guys open that aren't just physically dominant like a T or a Chase. Our offense is dependent on it because our play style, our play calls, whether that is because our offensive line stinks or not, I mean, that's our, you know, you can argue that, but our offensive game plan is very basic. Pedestrian. Pedestrian. But it works because our guys are just dominant. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna make you make a take here. Yeah. Would you be okay with losing T and Boyd if you've got two good tackles? Um for the better of the Bengals, yeah, I would. I really would. I think I think you could win game I think you win a lot of games. I think you win a Super Bowl with that combination. Because it just if you look at the history and if you really want to replicate success you look no further than the Patriots. You look no further than what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do. And you follow that. You don't follow you don't follow what's not been consistently successful, which is what the Bengals have done. Yeah, I see I think I like what the Bengals are doing. I wouldn't trade the route that the Bengals have taken, which is you get the quarterback. Got it. Check. Check mark. Now we're just gonna overload talent. To make it that the only way that you can beat this Bengals team is by getting to the quarterback. Because if he gets time, I've said this, i said this a billion times in Burrowhead Stadium. If you keep nine upright, you cannot beat us. Truthfully. Now the problem is, let's get him upright. And the, and the reason that if you keep him upright, you cannot beat us is because one of those three guys are going to get open. One of those four guys, if you include Hayden Hurst, are going to get open with enough time. Absolutely. It's undeniable. So now you fill in the gaps with veteran free agents. Just the path the Bengals have taken. They are just one, two pieces away on that offensive line. One good piece, and they are Super Bowl favorites. And we've got a super chat. We do. How many postseason non-neutral site away games has Patrick Mahomes won? The correct answer is zero. I, I know where Josh, I, I know where you're coming from that. With that, Josh, and I do think that there is something to that sentiment. But on the flip side of that, the Chiefs have been good enough, and Patrick Mahomes has been good enough to not have to even worry about that. Like if you're good enough to earn those home games, you don't have to worry about the right. away games. So that's not that's not really. Which is your point? Yeah. After the AFC Championship, that was what you came in and you said multiple times, is that. If if you want to win, you got you got to get first seed. Yeah, you got to like, get the number one seed. Yeah, if you've been listening to this show, which many of you here are, are very loyal viewers, and we appreciate each and every one of you. If you have been listening to this show over the entire run of this postseason, then you know that my stance on this vehemently, and this is not rocket science, has been the Bengals continue to put themselves in bad positions when you have to go on the road to Buffalo, to Kansas City, to Tennessee to all these teams year after year after year, you're not going to be able to have the sustained success as you would if you just, one, only had to play two games. 
and the first game against some right. dumb team like right. the Giants, the, the, the Giants, or the team Jaguars. going to the divisional. Right. Yeah, so you you play one layup game at home, and then you go to the AFC Championship. That's one less game for guys to get hurt. That's one more week of rest. That's another home game. There's so many things that go into this that if you're good enough in the regular season to do that, you earn those home games. You play at home. You don't have to worry about going on the road. And and what, I see the point from Josh. I, I, do, I agree. I genuinely I agree. do. I see the point, and I understand no that you, know, you can say, oh, he hasn't won on the road, but he hasn't won on the road because he's been so damn good in the regular season he hasn't had to and, worry about it. And let's not really forget either. The Bengals were a bad snap on an extra point away from being in that first seed discussion to begin with. Yeah. So it's not like, yeah. you know, that, the, big, the NFL would have been in a really tough spot. Can you imagine if yeah, there was three teams? teams? Right. I mean, that, it would have been really bad. Um, so, I mean, next year, they just got to start stronger. They can't afford to stub their toe early. In order to get the first seed, because you got guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes that are really good in the regular season, that will take advantage of that. So, yeah, you're right, Paul. They gotta, they gotta get the number one seed next year. That's gotta be the goal. And I think if they do that, they're they're in a really really good spot. Everett brings up that he thinks that the Chiefs AFC West division is the second worst in football. Listen. They underperformed this year. Everyone was preseason talking about this is the best division the NFL has ever seen. They clearly weren't that. But don't say that they were the second worst division in football. Both Souths, AFC and the NFC, were garbage this year. Terrible this year. The AFC West still had two playoff teams. So let's let's pump the brakes on it. That's the second worst division. Paul, you were about to say something. No, I, I just I remember as a as a DC sports fan um, growing up, it was very similar to Cincinnati. And I have obviously lived in DC for I lived there for 18 years, 20 years. Um, I lived I've been here in Cincinnati. I have family ties. I, I appreciate the history of the sports in both cities. And forever, there was the DC sports curse where a team hadn't been to even the second round of the postseason yep. since yep. The Redskins had won the Super Bowl at that time. They were the Redskins forever. And uh, I re I remember saying for years, the Nationals lost in 2012 on that blown game to the Cardinals. They lost in 2014 to the Giants. The Capitals, just for the life of them, couldn't get past the Penguins. The Redskins commanders were terrible. The Wizards couldn't get past the Cavaliers. Gilbert Arenas. I mean, there was just right. so much sad. And I remember saying to, to all my friends forever, I kept saying, the first team that gets past the second round of the postseason is going to win the title. And what happened? Caps yeah. got past it in 2018. Boom. Went on, took care of Vegas easily in the Stanley Cup final. Won a championship. Nationals win the World Series the next year. Curse. I don't believe in curses, but you want to say it, curse is broken. You look at the Bengals. I've looked at it the same way. I'm telling you, the Bengals get the number one seed. They will win the Super Bowl. That is, to me, what separates it. I just think that even maybe more so than the than the home field, I think the way that it sets everything up with having to play one less game and Correct. having an easier second game and not having to put so much strenuous effort on beating the Bills in a snowy game in Buffalo that ended up being easy, but that takes a toll on you. Just be, getting a layup game at home before the AFC Championship after a bye week is just, there's just, you can't put it into words how valuable that would be to the Bengals. I know that the, the past few years, ever since they restructured the postseason, uh, the number one seed, this is the first number one seed to win the Super Bowl, I believe. 
or did they do it? Was was their first Super Bowl win with Patrick Mahomes? Was the new playoff format introduced that year? Because they were the number one seed that year. Oh, too. I see what you're asking. I yes, to... I, I I believe you're right. So they're the, the only first... team to to be the number one seed yeah. in their division to win the Super Bowl. So I know there's not a whole lot of success, but it is undeniable the fact that you get two home playoff games. If you you get a skip around, and you get the lowest seeded team in the divisional round. This has made the regular season so much more important than it used to be. And Paul's right. You gotta be the number one seed. In the AFC, with all of these great quarterbacks, with all of these great teams, and we've got a great one here in town, but they've got to start coming to us. They've got to play us at the core. That's how you win the Super Bowl. That's how you get back. Simple as that. Yep. Simple as that. All right, so looking at the, the future Super Bowl odds, just so you guys are aware. Don't talk about gambling too much, but. Bedford Sportsbook. Bedford Sportsbook. Kansas City Chiefs are the favorites, plus 600. The Bills are plus 800. Eagles plus 800 as well. So are the 49ers. The Bengals have the fifth best odds to win the Super Bowl, and they are pretty comparable. They're one of five teams to go under plus 1,000. So they are plus 900 on Betfred Sportsbook. You can see it go across the crawl. So we've got about a 30 minutes on this show. We're only doing 90-minute shows with Tom being gone. He'll be back tomorrow. I know it'll be a much better show with Tom With Tom back tomorrow. Oh, come on. Give yourself some credit, Reed. Trace, Trace, credit. Trace will be back as well later on this week. So we'll be back to our normal scheduling starting tomorrow. Not too picky. We'll be after. Um, off the bench, box lunch will be back Wednesday and Friday, so we'll get to hear about Trace's trip, and I'm sure he'll have some strong opinions on the quarterback that is Patrick Mahomes. But there was also some great college basketball that happened this weekend. Yep. As we close the book that is the NFL, we start looking into college basketball, which the conference tournaments are how long away, Paul? Four weeks? Yeah, about four weeks. Yeah, four, four, weeks. four, four weeks from yesterday was Selection Sunday for March Madness. Okay, so four weeks away. From the it's really two weeks from like the mid-major tournaments, right? Yeah, we're we're like two weeks away from really getting into good postseason basketball. Two, two, two and a half, three weeks. Yeah, we're gonna try and put some cross some T's and dot some I's on getting a, a watch party together. We we started talking about that last week, and we're gonna start looking into it to where we can all come together, watch the games, maybe bet on some games. But college basketball is now the next thing, and Xavier Muskies. Yeah. Paul, you went up to Butler, local yeah. team, and you saw the Muskies get upset by the Butler Bulldogs. You got to stop going on these road trips. You almost went to DePaul. I did. I, I kicked around DePaul. I also there was also a, a very uh, there was also a very serious discussion about sending me to Marquette too to do some coverage up there, but I declined that trip with how much I'm probably going to have to travel for March. So I said, you know what. We got to be here. We got to be in Hamilton for the week. So I'm not going to be at Marquette. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was a tough game for Zay. They, they, they first half they didn't even look like they got off the bus. The the weekend in area sports was a, a very strange weekend in college basketball. Cincinnati had a a tough first half against South Florida, but then had a great second half. Uh, Odio Guama looked really good for UC. They outscored USF 50 to 27 in that second half. Um, so good second half for UC. They win that game, but yeah, Xavier, they just didn't. They didn't get off the bus in the first half. It was almost like they didn't expect Butler to play defense against them. Uh, Eleven turnovers. It was bizarre. I'd never seen them play this year as poorly as they played in the first half. Because even if you look back at the Duke game or you look at the DePaul game, they shot poorly. But at least 
you were getting some shots. This game, they just didn't even look like, woof. I mean, they didn't even, they didn't even look serviceable in this game, and they never had to lead. Butler led wire to wire. You can argue about the goaltending at the end of the game. You can argue about was it a goaltend, was it not? Um, you know, Jack Nunji gets the technical foul for calling a timeout that they didn't have. Pulls a Chris Weber. I, that ended up not mattering at all because Xavier came down and tied the game after that anyway. So all, everything before that was a moot point. But to me, outside of the goaltend, which no, I don't think it should have been a goaltend. But you heard from enough from both sides that you know, some officials said it should have been, some it shouldn't have been. Which the wild thing was, if you watch the Duke and Virginia game the next day. Not only was it the almost exact same situation at the end of the game, they were right. debating a foul call, but really it was about the same situation. Not only was it the same situation, it was the same official on a game, in both games. Um, but uh, it was just bizarre. And, and that's the tough thing for Xavier there is that that's the kind of loss that costs you a Big East title and it costs you a seed line in March, potentially. You, you don't win a Big East title by losing to DePaul and Butler. Um you know, DePaul, DePaul is feisty. I, I like kind of what DePaul is building-ish, but I just don't know what they're building to, I guess, necessarily. They just – they look good in some games, but they just don't win. It's kind of the same as Georgetown where they're never totally I, – I, I don't know. Butler's just bad. Butler's straight up just bad, and that's a bad loss. I mean, Butler has lost 10 Big East games. They've lost nine of them by 16 or more. They've lost eight of them by 22 or more. They're just a straight-up bad basketball team, and you can't lose. Um, you can't lose like that if you're trying to win a Big East title and you're trying to get a protected seed. You're trying to go to Columbus for the first round of the tournament. Um, tough, tough loss there. But uh, can, can we yeah. talk about some receipts here? Wow, wow. We'll, we'll, yes. We'll just put. We'll just put. We'll just put you to the fire yeah. here. You stood on this show last Thursday. Yes. And you said that Butler and St. John's were actually the worst teams yeah. in the Big East, not Georgetown and DePaul. And then two one day after making that take, Butler yeah. beat Xavier. Two days after making that take, St. John's beats Providence, winning two ranked matchups. I can't really argue against Georgetown, but I still I would stand by that take against DePaul that I would rather play Butler then I, I would rather play Butler or St. John's than I would rather play DePaul. I, I just – I look at Butler as a as a just – they're just not good. I, I listed off the stats. They're just not a good basketball team. I watch them night in and night out in the Big East. I try to watch Not them. a lot of fight in them. No, there's just not a lot of fight. There's not a lot – and look – you go on the road in a Big East in a weekend game with, in a sold-out arena, it's tough to win. Um, look at Arizona over the weekend against Stanford. That's probably a worse loss. Arizona's a, a better team and playing a worse Stanford team. They lose on the road. Purdue loses to Northwestern. First time Northwestern's ever beat a number one team. Purdue hadn't lost to Northwestern since 2014. So it's just tough to win on the road. I do, I, I do think that Butler, there's an argument to be made that Butler is the second worst team in the Big East. Um, I just, that's a bad loss. It's a bad loss for Xavier. There's no two ways about it. There's no two ways about it. They'll be able to get back on it. This they, they, hey, look, they, they, play Marquette Marquette. Next. they play Marquette on Wednesday. They win that game. They just, they, boom, you flip the script. It's right back to where they were yep. Friday night. They're half, half game out of the Big East. And you mentioned the American. That's pretty much all wrapped up. That's UC. 
Um, they are three and a half games behind Houston. Houston's not going to lose that conference. I mean, no. I mean, Memphis left. has two games against Houston. If they swept <clears> them, they'd be right there, but that's not going to happen. Not so gonna, It's not going to happen. If it does, you can bookmark this, but I don't, maybe Memphis picks them off once. I don't think they're going to pick them off twice. Houston does. I mentioned this. They're almost like a cat playing with a toy in that American conference. Like Every time you watch in the American conference, they just look like they're kind of going through the motions at times. Then you watch them play a non-conference game, and they just light it up. And yeah. they look like a national championship caliber team because they are. But when they welcome in the the Temple Owls or the Tulane Green Wave, they're just they're just toying with them. Houston's going to the Big Twelve, correct? Houston is Houston, so that'll be, that'll UCF, be UC, and BYU starting next year. Yeah. So what news came out that about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC? They're joining in. 2024 that's came out over the the weekend not this coming seat well was yeah, that, I was that I think any new news like they, they they broke that like it was news it was, yeah. the news was that they were trying to get in a year earlier but okay. they didn't get it right or they did oh now they are so 2024 they are so originally they were supposed to be in 2025 oh okay then they, so so then the news came out that they it was going to be back in 2024, then it got bumped to 25, now it's back to 24. And that's settled. Yes, there, the buyout's done. The buyout's done. Okay, so that means that Oklahoma and Texas are going to be out of the Big 12, into the SEC after this year. So there's only one year of overlap for UC fans. See Oklahoma at home this year. We won't get Texas next year. Correct. Okay. One, one so, game against Oklahoma. It's going to be more exciting for UC playing in basketball than it is for, I, I don't know, with with Oklahoma and Texas leaving leaving the Big Twelve, I think it's going to be more exciting to see Kansas constantly coming to fifth third than it is for those football teams. Maybe I, maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe I put a little too much weight because you are talking to the guy that likes college basketball and hates college football like an idiot that I am. So that is just just my opinions, Paul. Whatever, ever. What else happened in college basketball this weekend? You mentioned all the upsets. Yeah, a team that looked really good in the ACC looked like a, a preseason number one overall team. Was the North Carolina Tar Heels? Marty's, Marty's yeah. Tar Heels looked great on Saturday. Yeah, Tar Heels. Yeah, Tar Heels have a huge game tonight at home against Miami. Uh, Miami's a team competing for the top of the conference. North Carolina is very much in the bubble conversation right now. No preseason number one team has ever missed the tournament, and North Carolina is in danger of doing that right now. Miami, uh, they're five and a half point underdogs. I think I don't. We have to look and wait for the scroll to come back around to see what they are. Um, I I don't know if I'm missing something on that game. Miami's won four in a row. They beat Duke. They beat Clemson, Virginia Tech, North Carolina. They they have the metrics, but they've lost three of their last four. I, I, North Carolina is sixteen and nine on the year, and they're eight and six in the ACC. I, they're on the right side of the bubble, I think. But there's definitely a conversation to be had that they could miss the tournament if they don't play very well down the stretch. The other one, the other local team, Kentucky. Kentucky has played themselves out of the tournament. Yeah. It's a, un, it's un, You can't lose the Georgia. It's unfathomable with the talent on this team what is happening in Lexington. But they have now lost three of their last five games. And they have lost to Georgia and Arkansas in their last two. And the Arkansas loss was a blowout. They lost 88-73. to 73. Their last game against Georgia, you lose by seven on the road to Georgia. You can't lose to Georgia. You're talking about... A Kentucky team that preseason was the number one team on Ken Palm. They were, had all these preseason expectations. You're talking about a potential national title contender that's probably now going to miss the tournament. And it's just, 
I, I just can't wrap my head around what's going on down there because they you watch these Kentucky games night in and night out, and they just I, – I know they had injuries. Severe Wheeler's hurt. He missed the second straight game. Uh, C.J. Frederick hurt his rib, didn't play. But, man, Kentucky can't lose these games. And they are. They just keep losing them. Has a team ever brought back the national player of the year like Kentucky has with Shibway and not made the po- not made the tournament? It's funny you say that. I was trying to find that the other day, and I don't know the answer to that question. I could go back and look a little harder down the line. I don't know, um, but – Oscar Shibway hasn't looked great either. He hasn't had a great year either. I, I man, I, I just, I, I, I'm speechless with the way Kentucky has played this year because they have the talent, they have the ability, they just don't have the wins. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we're at. That's college basketball. The weekend was fun. It was a good weekend. Like I said, Arizona lost. Virginia, Virginia beats Duke on a, uh, in overtime on a game that Duke probably should have had a chance to win at the free throw line. Tennessee lost their second straight game on a buzzer beater. God, they don't look good either. They what, what does it say about Purdue losing again? Um, Are they still going to win the Big Ten? Uh, they're going to win the Big Ten. I don't know what it really says about Purdue, given the fact that Northwestern has had a good season. What Purdue, what what Northwestern did yesterday that Purdue hasn't faced a ton of this year is they doubled Zach Eady in the post and they brought a different player to Zach Eady every time. Whereas usually when you double a guy in the post, you just bring the one guy down from the wing. Northwestern was sending different guys at Zach Eady to double him yesterday to the point where Eady had a lot of trouble passing out of the post and he kept turning the ball over. Um, I I I am I texted this to the group yesterday. I am, I'm I'm on a on a head-on collision with picking Arizona and probably Tennessee around a two too far in my March Madness bracket. Maybe not Tennessee. Maybe I've learned my lesson with Tennessee. Not that I ever was really in on them, but this past week, you just their offense. But they should have won both games and choked them both away. Arizona. I'm going to have a hard time picking against Arizona into the Elite Eight, and I know that some something's going to happen in the second round. They kind of forget right. to score. Balo and Tubelis get four or five shots in a game, and then they lose, and I'm just going to be sitting there going, I told you so, and I'm going to look back at this show at 11.15 on February 13th and go, I told you so. But so it goes in March. Tough. So it goes. One thing that we slipped by earlier, did you unretire from gambling? You said you were on the Eagles last night, which would mean... Oh, I mean, yeah, you not You unretired. Like, yeah, but I'm not... I don't know how much I want to talk about retiring when we're uh, sponsored by a betting company, That's but respond, I, I am responsibly... Took a, took a detox. I am responsibly detox. taking a... Uh, I, I had a lot... I had a very, very good January, uh, slipped up a little bit the first week of February, and took my profits and ran for a little bit and it was the car payments and everything else coming up needed that's needed right. needed some funds in the sure, bank sure. so you're being responsible responsibly saving my money uh maybe until march madness yeah that's that's what we do here if you got a problem call the 1-800 number that's what we do for that fred sports book casey mm-hmm. yep oh what, what before we go me? to casey sorry to cut you off casey 
Before we go to Casey, Paul, real quick. What do you got for us? IU. Oh, the Hoos. The yeah, Hoosiers. the Hoos. Great win for Indiana. Great win. Good win. Really good win. They're a great team. I know Jordan. Jordan's in the chat. He's, he's an Indiana fan. So fun fact about Indiana. I went to uh, Rally House right here at Bridgewater because I went to – I looked, I Googled it. I said, I have fully taken in being an IU fan this year. Joining my buddy who's, who's a diehard IU fan. I've always kind of liked IU, but I've never watched college basketball to the extent that I watch it now. So I watch now every IU and Xavier game and root for them both. Tooth and nail. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go get a Hoosier shirt. Google Hoosier shirt near me, Hamilton, Ohio. And it tells me go to the Bridgewater Rally House. So I go to the Bridgewater Rally House. It says it's in stock pickup today. So I walk in there. I said, hey, you know, if you've ever been to a rally house, there's shirts everywhere. I was like, hey, where's your IU stuff? They're like, oh, we don't carry IU stuff. I'm like, okay. I walk around. Sure enough, she wasn't lying to me. So I show her the thing and she goes, oh, yeah, that's just wrong sometimes. And I go, Great. Said I could pick it up today. Good thing I didn't order it and just give you guys 20 bucks or whatever it would be for a t-shirt. Tough. Tough. But the Hoosiers, they look great. Listen, they get Xavier Johnson back the beginning of March. But simple as this. Trace Jackson Davis is the real deal. Is it off? I always say is it off base. Zach Eady is going to be the national player of the year. Is Trace Jackson Davis going to be number two? Going to finish number two on that? He should be a first-team All-American. Um... Uh, I'm trying to think of yeah they flashed up the most cherry pick stat in that game I don't know if you watched the game they said they threw up Trace Jackson Davis is averaging 25 points 12 rebounds three blocks four assists or whatever it is over his past six games the only guys that have ever done that in college or pros over a six game span were like Tim Duncan and Shaquille O'Neal and I was like it's a great list, but man, what a cherry pick stat. Those exact stats over a six game stretch. It was incredible. But what what were you gonna say about TJD? No, I, I, I think he absolutely is right there in the running. I'm trying to think of some others. Um Brandon Miller at Alabama. I'm just trying to think of the top teams. Usually those top teams will have a, a few in the running. Brandon Miller at Alabama. Uh, Jalen Wilson probably from Kansas. Kansas would be up there, yeah. Uh Arizona looked like they might be tracking to have one of their big guys, but I don't I don't think so anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the UConn women's basketball of a national player of the year race where everybody's just competing for second place in the right. Like in the Big East, everybody just plays for second place in women's basketball. That's how it's going right now for Zach Eady. He's won the award. It is yeah, his he award. Could, he could stop playing. Yeah, um, but. TJD will be a first-team All-American. So Jordan's asking if he's going to be a top-five pick. TJD's not going to be a lottery pick. He might get drafted, but there's just not a whole lot of – and I I don't – I'm not up with it on the mock drafts in the NBA and stuff like that, but there's just not a whole lot of use in the NBA for a six-foot-ten center that can't shoot. Simple as that. It really is. He's not going to – is he even a first-round pick? No? I'll be honest. I'm not a huge draft guy. Okay. Not a huge draft. I w- I'm not going to sit Colby here. Colby Jones, first round pick. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. We'll see how that goes. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be somebody that projects the draft. I don't even look at mock drafts too much. I try to look at like one a month just to kind of know where guys stand. I I got no idea where TJ D will go. All right. So in the final ten minutes of me hosting off the bench, it's been a good run, Reed. It's been clap it's it up been, for Reed. It's Miles. been fun. It's fun. Well, thanks, guys. Um, 
I'm going to ask you two questions as Cincinnati sports fans. Okay. Casey, what would feel like a good season for the Cincinnati Bengals next year? What would you feel vindicated saying that it was a successful season as we now head into the postseason? What does a good season look like for the Bengals next year? Uh, AFC championship at home. AFC, so getting the one seed. Getting the getting the game at home would be a successful. Okay, so they season. don't have to be the one seed, just the one seed. They'd have to be the higher seed in the AFC championship. Yeah, they got to at least play at home AFC championship. Anything less would feel not good. No, it, it would feel like they're just spinning the wheels. Okay. So I'm giving them a little, a little extra wiggle room there. So it's it's funny how quickly sports fans are to to turn a page and right now it doesn't feel like there's any stress on Joe Burrow to win the big one right I mean this is only his second full season starting his third year in the league but you give him two more years of of not winning the Super Bowl there's going to be a lot of conversations as oh is Joe Burrow ever going to do it like if the Bengals fall in the AFC championship game in the next two years there's going to be a lot of talk a lot of talk about that. So I'm just preparing you guys. There's nothing we can do about it. That's just the way that sports is. I'm just preparing Cincinnati Bengals fans that we will be having those conversations or actively having to defend Joe Burrow. That's going to happen. Paul? Yeah, I think hosting the AFC Championship, you can never go out of an NFL season and say that it's a disappointment of a season if you didn't win a Super Bowl. But the culmination of accomplishments through the season, I think, is what makes the season successful. And I look at what the Bengals could do next year and the way that they have – we don't know their schedule yet, but we know the teams they're going to play. Um, I would agree with both of you guys that a number one – or no, I'm going to say the number one seed. Okay. Because I think it's too easy for the number one seed-ish, or we've seen them lose in that divisional game. But I think it's too easy for the number one seed to get the AFC Championship. So, yeah, they they play just to let everyone know they do play the AFC South, which we all know has been not very good in the NFC North, the NFC West is what they also play. And then they play um, the Vikings and they play they play half the North. Yeah, they play the Vikings and then they play the Lions. I'm not seeing the Lions unless that's in the preseason. Vikings for They're sure. They're just playing the number one team from the NFC. Seahawks, Rams, that's eh, a Texans favorable schedule. Oh, and they play uh, the Chiefs again. Bengals at Chiefs. Thursday. Is that going to be the first game of the year? Thursday night football. Yeah, I think that's what's got to be right. Got to be Thursday night football. And if they win that, that's a great start of the season. That like, is great. Better we'll than going zero two against the backup for the Cowboys and the the Steelers. Better than that. You got to get the number one seed for me for the Bengals. If they sweep the AFC North and win another playoff game, successful season. Obviously, you want to keep competing for the championship. If you sweep the AFC North and win a playoff game, you're competing for a championship game. And I would like to just put put a stomp that the AFC North is the Bengals going forward. That's goal number one in my mind. I don't want to hear about the Ravens or Steelers ever Sneaking or the in. Browns looking, looking on par with us ever again because they're not. <laughs> So put a stamp on that, get that out of the way, and we can start worrying about bigger fish to fry. Paul, Reds. What's a successful season for the Reds? Ooh, uh, 70. 
74 wins. I, I am going to take... Well, I don't know if I'm actually going to put money on it. But I would suggest the... I just hate... I hate Wrapping this, up money for seven I months? I hate wrapping mon months... Putting money in for months for a, for a minus 110. Um, but over 66 and a half wins for the Reds is very intriguing to me. I like what the Reds are building. Give me the Reds over win total. And I'm going to say a successful Red season is 73 wins. And... Because I think 73 wins would at least give them hope into July. So you want to be playing meaningful games at the All-Star break. You want to be watching the games at what the is, What break. are meaningful games well, at the All-Star break? Well, you want to be watching the, All like the games after the All-Star break. That's basically what... Yeah. If, they're, if they start 3-22, and 22, you're not going to be watching the Reds in July. I, I think... That. I don't know if the Reds will finish over 500, but I think that the Reds can get to a mid-70 win total. I, I really do think they can. I think there is positivity. Forget the Castellinis. Forget the Castellini thing. I think there is positivity around this Reds team. And I think you can kind of start to lean into it. It's just maybe not going to show in an over in an above 500 record this year. But I think they can get to 75 wins. I think the, a successful season for the Reds is basically it's a bar lower than what you just gave is that in the All-Star game, you want to have two of the young guys in. Every team gets one All-Star. You don't want to just be the token All-Star team. I mean, the Pirates get an All-Star regardless, and it's normally just some, like, like who was it? Brandon Drury last year was the Reds All-Star? You don't want that. You want Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India. You want two of those guys to be in the All-Star game because they deserve to be there, not because they're on the token team and every team gets one. If you do that, that's a successful season. I, I think Nick Kirby obviously knows way more about the Reds than I do. I, I think he brings up a great point about, you know, they could win 70 games, but if it's mainly because of players that aren't going to be long-term contributors, it wouldn't mean much. Um, I agree on that. I'm, I'm sort of assuming that the Reds are going to be building with players for the future. But, if, yeah, if they, if they go piecemeal here and get a bunch of guys that are not going to be around longer than 23 or 24 – then what does 75 wins matter? Right. Because then it's just you're beating your head against the wall. Yep. Fingers crossed for, for Will Myers to have a good first half of the year so you can flip him like you did Brandon Drury. That'd there be great. Go. That'd be great for yeah. the Cincinnati Reds. But like I said, they get a couple of young guys in the All-Star game. That's a good year. Build for the future, and that's how you do it. Casey, what's your what's your Reds take? I was I wasn't going to ask because I didn't want to put you in that position. No, I'm, but I'm actually ready for this because sling it our way. Let's then. go, Casey. Because I'm going to mesh your two ideas. I want them to get to 72 and a half wins. Okay. I want at least to be debatable that there's we can have one. I'm okay with just one, but I want there to be a debate that we could have maybe snuck in another guy or two in the All Star game. In the All Star game. Okay. And I want them to start either fast. Or end, uh, not start fast, but I want them to start great, or I want them to end great. None of this, none of this crap where we're fizzling out at the end, or we're just terrible at the beginning. I want there I love to it. be either hope in the beginning or hope in the end. That's all I want. That's all I really care about for the Reds. I could care less about what happens in the middle as long as they get over the win total. But if they rip off like ten wins in a row to end the season. 15 could you guys imagine that how much life that would bring in bring Cincinnati? a lot of life It'll bring a lot of life hope is a good thing i think i brought this up to you guys last show and this is how i close it april 4th fifth game of the year a tuesday 
The Chicago Cubbies come to town. Let's make a little chatterbox outing out of it. We'll all go down for the 3-2-1. Yeah. We'll yes. go down for the 3-2-1. Any anyone watching, feel free to join us down there. Get us a nice little section. We'll be drinking a lot of threes, eating a lot of twos, and maybe treating ourselves with a one. And we'll have ourselves a Tuesday. Casey's bachelor party. April 4th? <laughs> April 4th. Tuesday, that, April 4th. Lock that, it in. The the That's the day after the Xavier wins the national championship. That's perfect. God. We're gonna, it's going to be a tough That's day for, for IU Hoosier You guys fans. are going to be hung over yeah, that game. Yeah, but it's all right. Oh. I'll, I'll take my flight back from Houston. I'll come straight to Great American Ballpark. Hell yeah. Casey's bachelor Chatterbox Bachelor Party, April 4th at Great American Ballpark. 3-2-1 night. Write it in. Lock it in, baby. Guys, this has been Off the Bench. Tom will be back tomorrow. We'll be back to regular scheduling starting tomorrow. Off the Bench, not too picky. Wednesday, we'll do Off the Bench. Box lunch, back to it all. Starting tomorrow, Tom's back from the Waste Management. Thank you for joining me for the past three days. It's been a lot of fun being up here. Hopefully I didn't turn too many off you. And I'm sorry about the Patrick Mahomes take. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have to keep talking about him, but someone needs to talk about greatness around here. So, guys, this has been Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. For Casey and Paul over there, we thank you for watching.